Amen. Can we give a hand clap for our awesome ushers? Amen. Always ushering. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. We are just excited you're here today. We are going to continue on our series, Who is God? Last week, we learned that God is a spirit. That's why you can't see God. If God was made out of flesh and blood and he was here, he could not be all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present because a physical body cannot be in all places at all times. Last week's message was really about the nature and the understanding of God. We also talked about some of the biggest arguments that scientists make against God. They say that evolution and naturalism can actually explain creation. However, this doesn't properly explain anything about creation. Rather, evolution just shows minute changes within species, doesn't explain where the species came from themselves. So we have to believe in a creator to have a creation. We've never seen anything not be created. So all created things must have a creator. Then somebody might say, well, what about God who created him? But then we said that God is not a physical being, thus he doesn't need a creator. He is spirit. Some of you all looking at me like you're already confused. Look at your neighbor and say, it's on now. Oh, it's on now. We're taking on what they teach you in school. We're taking on all of those things. Because let me share with you, science and the Bible are not at opposition to each other. If you believe in science, you can believe in the Bible. Why? Because if God is true, God is the God of science. He doesn't have to have you play make-believe. Faith is not make-believe. Some people think that faith is like throwing a quarter into a wishing well, hoping that something will change or playing the lottery. That is not faith. Faith is not just having a good hope on an idea. Faith is trusting in the Word of God, which has been here before you and I or this creation ever got here. I've gone to preaching, and you all still looking at me. Come on, somebody say amen. This is all review, and I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to do mental loops around you. Just track with me for a little bit. God is God, whether or not we acknowledge him. Take, for example, I have an iPad up here. This iPad may have an intelligence, AI, artificial intelligence one day, and it may be able to talk. Let's say I took this robot of an iPad, and I put it somewhere in a desert, never got to see me, and I just flipped it and turned it on. That iPad could say, well, I've never seen my creator, and maybe there's not a creator. But how many know him saying that I've never seen my creator doesn't mean that I'm not out there? Have you ever seen the maker of your car? No, but you know that there is a maker of your car. Have you ever seen the one who makes your watches? No, but you know they're out there. And so today, just because you cannot see your creator doesn't mean that he's not there. But you know what you can do with creations on this earth is you can look at instruction manuals and you can look about the maker of your car and how he designed it if you come into any trouble. And that's why I like the acronym for Bible, B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth. If you want to know what God has to say about you look at his bible it's the instruction for your life god didn't leave you here all by yourself though you cannot see him i'm reminded of the story of a young man he had just his, his child and they were going on a plane trip for the very first time and uh, he was really cautious about his son and he didn't want to lose him in the airport and all of a sudden they got to the security checkpoint and uh, you know he had to go first and his son would come behind him but something was in his pocket so they had to pull him to the side and you guys who have been to an airport know what that's like they pull you away from where everybody else is at but he instantly got nervous, and he said, hold on, I'm with my son. I'm with my son. you, you got to let me go back to my son. And they said, sir, we'll take care of your son. You have to stand in this point. 
And he started to get very loud, and he started to get actually angry with these security guards to the point where they had to call a code over the security, uh, you know, the microphone. We got a code blue. We got a code blue. And, and three men rushed around this father and bum-rushed him and held him back and said, Sir, you have to stand here. Your son will be taken care of. So he calmed down. He got that thing out of his pocket. He went through, and he saw his son waiting there for him. And he said to his son, he said, son, how come you're standing here so calm? What's going on? He said, dad, I could always hear your voice. The whole time I heard you calling for me, and I knew I was okay. I want you to understand something. Though you may not see God, you can hear his voice every day of your life. And he is saying everything's okay, and he is telling you I am with you. That's why when we pray, we close our eyes, blocking out the distractions of a physical world. We open up our soul, which no man can touch nor see, and we wait upon God. And if you do that in a moment of stillness, you'll hear God speak to you. Can you say amen? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? Wonderful. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You know what true disciples do, my friends? They worship Jesus. Does anybody here worship Jesus? Amen. True disciples worship Jesus. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Does that sound like what Metro Praise does as a church? Amen. We're not here to make choir members or just church members to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I want you to see two things here that qualify you for being a disciple. Number one, you must worship Jesus and believe in Jesus. How many people do that? Can you say amen again? Amen. So you worship Jesus. You wonder why we sing songs to Jesus and not Lady Gaga? Let me help you out for a minute. Lady Gaga will die and so will you. My God is alive and he gives everlasting life. He's worth me raising my hands to, dancing my little dance. He's worth it all. That's why we worship Jesus. Disciples worship Jesus. The second thing that you see is they obey everything he commanded. Now how many are doing their best at that? couple hands a little shy come on be bold if you're doing your best you may not be perfect but you're giving it all you have and that's why you're part of a great church that's here to make disciples because we do believe you are to give your best but you see God gives these disciples a reward what does he give them his everlasting presence he says I will be with you always until the very end of the age so guess what you might be in some trouble right now but who's with you if you're a disciple Jesus you might be going through marriage trouble right now but guess who's with you if you're a disciple Jesus you might have to go like the first service family has to go visit a grandma in the hospital but guess who goes there with you if you're a disciple Jesus come on say his name Jesus he said I am with you to the very end of the age always and then you see in verse 19 something that will just blow your mind you see the one name is also the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at that section where it says baptizing them in the name. And let's read that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's start up your oven right now. Let's get out the frying pan and let's take out the noodles and let's start frying it right here. This is going to fry the little noodles of your brain. Are you with me? 
God is not three gods, one God the Father, one God the Son, one God the Holy Spirit. God is one God, but is three separate persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, Joe, that must be like you, like me. I'm a pastor. That's one type of thing I do, a title. I'm also a father, and I'm a husband. So some people think God is like that. He's also a son. He's also a father. That's incorrect. Other people have said that God is like water, that water can be in a liquid state, a steam, and an ice. But that is not God either because he's all three at the same time. So what is God like? Look at this. Baptize them in the name. Somebody say the name. The name that you see being referred to in the New Testament is the name that God had all throughout the Old Testament. When God first showed up to Moses, Moses said, God, if I go to Egypt and to the Israelites and I say, who, I say the God of Israel sent me, they're going to say, what's his name? Somebody say, what's his name? Thank you. So God said, tell them my name is I am that I am. Now in Hebrew, it's just the continents, Y-H-W-H. It's called the Tetragrammaton, and it's also spelled J-H-V-H, Jehovah or Yahweh. Are you all tracking with me? But see, the Jewish people were so afraid of that name that Moses got, they never wrote in the vowels. They only had the consonants. And so during that time, it would even be blasphemy for them to speak the name of Yahweh. And what the scholars did in the 16th century during the time of the Great Reformation, guys like Martin Luther, they took vowels out of the word Adonai and they put it into these consonants of Yohei, Y-H-W-H, and they made the word Yahweh. Are you all tracking with me? If my name was sacred and you wouldn't want to say my name without the vowels O-E, you would just say J. Are you with me? Now, this name of the Old Testament, my two people are with me. This name of the Old Testament is the name that all the Jewish people revered, and they knew that that referred to the Father. But guess what? Jesus is now saying that one name, Yahweh, Jehovah, any way you pronounce it, or just the consonants, yo Hey va Hey, in the Hebrew, Y-H-W-H. Are you all tracking? He now says that's the name for the Father, and that's the name for the Son, and that's the name for the Holy Spirit. So this one God is not just one person called the Father. He's also the Son, and he's also the Holy Spirit. Now, as I can hear the sizzling in this room, just so you don't think I'm making this up, go to Genesis, and I want to show you how God made us in his image the same exact way. Go to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to share with you this idea of how the Trinity actually works, because if you don't understand the Trinity, you won't understand the Father. Now, I have a whole separate message on the Trinity, but just track with me. Keep it going. Keep the noodles frying. Here we go. Trinity means Trinity. Tri-unity, three in one. Is God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, three separate gods? No. Is it just one person putting on the Father hat, putting on the Son hat, putting on the Holy Spirit hat? No. They are three distinct persons, but one divine being. Now, what did you think God was going to be like? The frog you dissected in biology class? God is more complex than anything you and I could ever imagine. Remember, he created us. 
And this is where people like to say, well, Pastor, since I don't understand it, I don't know if I can believe it. And you have these cults walking around like Jehovah Witnesses, and they want to say, see, you Trinitarians, you're crazy because you want to say Jehovah is also the Son and the Holy Ghost. We believe Jehovah is just the Father. And what they can't understand is what you just read, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It didn't say in the names. It said in the name, singular. Now, how does that work? Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. I wish I had time to teach while I preach. Somebody just say, preach it. Let's go over here to Genesis chapter 1 and start in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Notice that it says, God said, let what? Us, God is speaking in the plural. So right here, God knows there's more than one person with him. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he said, let us make man in our image. Just track with me here. The Hebrew word for man there is Adam, Adam. Now, Adam doesn't just mean the name of the first dude God created. It's actually used two ways in the Hebraic Bible in this passage. Adam is representing here all of mankind. It says, let us make Adam, mankind in our image. So what do you see? God is going to make a plurality of people in his image. Are you all tracking with me? Some of y'all ain't even there. Just pretend like you're there right now, I guess, because the gospel train's moving, y'all. Verse 27, get the tape, rewind. Verse 27, so God created man, Adam, mankind, in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. By the way, this is not new teaching. This is all Christian people believe this. Some of you all new to the church going, he's teaching us some strange things. Billy Graham believes this, okay? Every Christian believes this. It's not strange, okay? You all just haven't heard it before because nobody really taught you about God. They just told you to worship him and didn't tell you who he was. Aren't you happy our church is telling you today who God is? About five of you. How many are really happy? Say amen. So here's the revelation. Here it is. When God made us, plural, he made us from one Adam, singular. All of mankind, the entire human race, came from one person, Adam. Are you all tracking? Then out of Adam, mankind came woman, that was Eve. Then out of Adam, the name Adam and Eve, both of them got together. After a long Saturday night, then came children. Come on, all the mothers, say amen. You didn't get there by just looking like you do on Sunday. Some stuff had to go down for y'all to be a mother. Come on, say amen. Oh, my gosh. Come on, second service. Just did a marriage yesterday. You know they were happy. Okay. So here is the best illustration. It's not water. It's not a three. Uh, it's not a three prong, a three leaf clover like uh, like my man did. Saint Patrick did to the people there because this is not comprehensible except by what God gives us. Here it is. We are all of the human race. Is there different races in mankind? No, there may be different cultures, melatonin, the skin, skin color, but we're one race, aren't we? But we're all different people. One race, one Adam, one mankind, yet different people. 
God is one race, the God kind. There is no other race like him. He is the only type of being God. And in his race, there are three people, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you all getting it now? And the only difference between us and God is that God can unifyly be with himself, the Father, and the Son, and not be separated where we are separated from ourselves. But that is the example of where it came from. God said, let us make man, Adam, mankind in our image, and then from one man they separated and made the DNA going on down through the line and that is how man is here we all track back to Adam if you didn't get it or if you did get it everybody just say amen amen so now turn with me to James chapter 1 verse 16 note to self don't go so deep on Sunday mornings you guys got to get the tape though you'll get it I look at my friend Julie in the back you know who taught me that Julie Sam Shimon, one of our favorite friends, apologetic friends who studies the Bible quite frequently. The Trinity is revealed in the creation of man. But let's keep going. Here's something that you're going to like now. We're going to learn about the Father. Is the Father the Son? No. Is he the Holy Spirit? No. He is his own person, but he is in a triune relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. So now you're ready to learn about the Father. He is God. He is a person of God. He bears the name of God. And now look what James 1.16 says about your heavenly Father. It says, do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does does not change like sifting shadows. Everybody say, God is good. Now say, the Father is good. Thank you. What does the Bible now say about your Father in heaven? He is good. Why does it say right at the beginning, don't be deceived, brothers? Because the moment I say God is good, what do most people in this room begin to think? Hold on, Pastor. If God is good, why is there suffering in the world? Pastor, if God is good, then why am I losing my job? How many have gone through some tough times in the last couple of years? How many have just felt some deep pain? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many during those times you said, God, where are you? You see, the Bible teaches us that our God is good and that the Father specifically, he is a good God and every good and perfect gift comes from him. So that means the love that a mother gives a child, where does that trace its roots back to? Not to evolution because some animals eat their own young, amen? Aren't you glad you're not an alligator today? Does anybody else watch swamp people? They eat their own kids. They don't care. They'll cannibalize themselves. But the Bible says our Father is good. So if you see good in your family, where does that come from? God the Father. Marriage comes from God the Father. He said, these two should join together. Let no man separate them. Be fruitful and multiply. All of that multiplication, all of that love making. Guess where that came from? God. God invented sex, y'all. Do you believe that? It's not the devil's creation. Now, teenagers, it is of the devil for you. Okay, so just parents, plug your teenager's ear and say, don't do it. If you do, you'll die. And then I'll resurrect you and kill you again. Okay, but listen, God created sex. God created marriage. Isn't that, is that good? Everything good that you can trade, everything you have in your life that's good goes back to God. There's not one thing in your life that God the Father did not give you that wasn't good. Everything he's ever given you was good. Now, what's the next question? Well, where does evil come from? And I want my good friend William Lane Craig to answer that question for you better than I can. I'll come back and preach what this awesome teacher is going to teach you. I want you to write on your notes his website, Leadership, or excuse me, Leader, L-E-A-D-E-R, the letter U, LeaderU.com. Come back and check my man out. 
This is William Lane Craig on how a good God can exist even with suffering. Forgive these questions. In a perfect world, I wouldn't have to ask them. But um, if God is all good and all powerful and all knowing, why does he allow uh, uh, bad things to happen to good people? This is, I think, the principal argument for the atheistic side that my opponents in the debates will sometimes bring up. And I think that there's a couple of ways to respond to this. First, it, it, we need to understand what the atheist is claiming here. Is he arguing? that God and suffering are logically incompatible with each other? If he is, then he needs to show that there's some sort of implicit contradiction there because there's no explicit contradiction. And I would say that no atheist has ever been able to sustain that burden of proof to show that there are necessarily true assumptions that would reveal some kind of a contradiction between God and the suffering and evil in the world. In fact, I think we can prove that they are compatible by just adding a third proposition, and that would be that God has morally sufficient reasons for permitting the evil and suffering in the world. As long as that's even possible, it shows that God and evil are logically compatible. So that logical version of the argument doesn't work. Now, very quickly, there's a probabilistic version of the argument which says, all right, God and evil are logically compatible, but nevertheless, it's highly improbable that God exists, given the evil and suffering in the world. And I think there's a number of moves that the theist can make in response to that argument to show that it's, it's not improbable uh, that God exists, given the suffering in the world. But I happen to believe, and I'm trying to be a, a, as objective as I can sure. throughout the debate, um, that the reasons why there is suffering and pain are entirely obvious. And in fact, they're inevitable if there is a loving God. But mm. how would you explain them? Why then does God have to allow discomfort, suffering, pain, sure. terrible pain, sometimes to Well, I, I would say, Michael, that there isn't any single reason. It, rather, there's a multitude of reasons that would be um, in play here. One would be that God wants to create a world of free creatures who can become responsible moral agents uh, and mature uh, persons. And that will require a world that operates according to certain natural laws mm -hmm. where the fire that warms you can also burn you. The water that sustains you can drown you. Uh, and it would require the ability of these creatures to do morally evil acts. And so the, creating that sort of an arena, I think, is going to allow the possibility of natural suffering and moral evil to occur. But that God permits these with the overall goal in mind of bringing people freely into a knowledge of himself and to eternal salvation. And the goal of human life is not happiness in this life. We are not God's pets. His goal is not to create a nice terrarium here for his human pets. Rather, it is to bring persons into communion with himself forever, freely. And in order to do that, it's not at all implausible that a world suffused with natural and moral evil would be uh, the correlative of that. Amen. Let's give it up for the word correlative. How many are glad you came to church and you heard correlative? Now, what he simply was saying is what I'm going to preach to you about just for a few moments, and then it's going to get real exciting. So just hang on. This sizzling is still happening. God is good. So what does he do? He creates you and I. If he created you and I as his pets and robots so that we could not make bad decisions, evil would never be here. But would he be a good creator? 
No, because all he did was make robots. Robots don't have free will. Robots don't have the ability to choose. So for God to be a good creator, what did he have to give you and I? He had to give us free will. Now, what does free will have the decision of doing between good and evil? Do you remember the tree in the Garden of Eden? It wasn't choose between this tree or smoking crack. It was choose between the tree of life or the knowledge of good and evil. When, when Eve went over there and ate from that tree, her eyes were open. Now she understood all good and she understood all evil and from that point on that's why we have evil is because people suffer from the wrong decisions that they make and what the the first man and woman did not understand is that by choosing a moral evil that then the geological world would suffer natural disasters and catastrophe things like Japan tsunamis in Indonesia earthquakes in 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 Haiti where do these things come from from our moral choices that we made wrong and evil the punishment comes upon this earth and upon our souls and that's why God said that even creation itself for those of you who love the animals and love the trees the Bible says that creation itself is still waiting for the liberation of God so it can go back to a perfect state when we go back to our perfect moral state can you say amen so the choices today good or evil is in our hearts and so the evil of genocide comes from God being good and allowing people to do that. You say, why would God allow it? Because he's allowing people to live in free will, even though people hurt, even though people abuse. So now the question is, you have two, two options to this question. What do you do with evil and suffering? If you don't believe in God and say, well, it's all his fault, to hell with him, I don't need him, and you're going to be atheistic, guess what? Your evil only gets worse. Because now there's no justification of right and wrong. Hitler is no different than me when I kill the anthill in the back of my yard. We're all just, uh, you know, products of evolutionary chance. We'll be here for 70 years, and then poof, we're all gone into nothingness. So what significance is life, animal life, insect life? There is none in the atheistic mind. Or your other option is you come to God and you say, God, you're good, even though the world is sometimes bad. God, you're, you're good, even though sometimes people here are bad. God, you're good, even though sometimes I feel bad. We need to come to that good God that the Bible was talking about, a heavenly father. The Bible says, do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. I don't want you to quit coming to church and be deceived because of evil in this world. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Now I want to talk to you about his name. Can you say his name? The Bible gives us this Hebraic name. I'm going to choose the transliteration from, from that Yohevahe to the word Jehovah. I want to give you now seven names that Jehovah represents in that Old Testament when the Father gave that name. Jesus identified it with himself. But here you see in the first place, Genesis 22, 14, you see the Father say, I am Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jireh means provider. Everybody say Jireh. Thank you, Jira is provider. Abraham was going to sacrifice his child to end world suffering, the suffering of the world. He said, I'll do whatever it takes. That's where human sacrifice came from, my friends. It wasn't just numb nuts going up to a, a, a volcano throwing children into there. By the way, we're more numb nut than them. We've killed 40 million babies in abortion clinics and haven't even tried to do it unto a God to appease his wrath. The Bible says we have become a foolish, murderous, genocidal generation. 
I'll preach whether anybody says amen. But if you believe it, say amen. 40 million children have died in our world to try to end what we think is their suffering. How retarded could that be? We say we want to take away their suffering by murdering them. Most parents say the number one reason for abortion is to not let the child grow up into suffering. That would be like me saying to you, I don't want you to suffer anymore and blowing you away. May God have mercy. But Abraham had this same uh, uh, heathenistic mentality. He said, I will sacrifice my son and I will bring world peace by this sacrifice. But God showed up that day and said, don't you do it. I myself will provide the lamb, speaking of his incarnation, to come and die on the cross. And there he found a little lamb and he crucified, uh, killed that lamb, spilt the blood. And God said to him, I am the God who provides Wherever you are today, I want to tell you something. Your father is a provider. You may be facing situations where it's tough. You may be facing situations where nobody can help you. Uncle Sam can't help you. You know, the check can't get enough to get the bill paid. But I want to tell you somebody can help you. His name is the Father under Jehovah, and he's a Jehovah Jireh, a God that provides. And I just want to encourage you today to pray to that God, to ask him to provide, because he always will. He is a good God. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is a provider. The next thing that you see is that Jehovah Rophi. Rophi in the Hebrew means healer. Exodus 15, 22 through 26, the Bible talks about the people of Israel. They were led out of the desert from the Egyptian slavery. They came to a big old lake in the water, and they began to drink it because they were dehydrating. And as they were drinking it, they spit it out because it was salt water. And they begin to complain. Let me tell you something. God does not move by your pity patty party. You can say, God, I'm just so sad. and I'm s-. God doesn't move according to your pity. The Bible says God moves according to faith. Somebody say faith. The Bible says that these people began to complain. God said, I'm not listening to them. Moses said, God, I have faith. You can change this situation. What do you want me to do? And God said, cut down a tree, throw it into the water, and by your act of obedience, I will make this water drinkable. And there he did all of that. The people began to drink the water, and what happened? That quenched their thirst. And he said, hey, I don't ever want you to forget from this day forward, I am Jehovah Rophi. I am the God who heals you. Just like I healed this pool of water from its saltiness. You may be facing sickness today, and you might say, Pastor, the doctors don't have a cure, but I want to encourage you today to call out on the name of Jesus because he is a healer and he's a doctor that you can always get a hold of. Just call on Dr. Jesus. You can look at me crazy if you want, but I still know that he raises the dead, he heals the sick, and he opened blinded eyes and deaf ears even to this day. And somebody might say, well, Pastor, what if he doesn't heal me? I've got a promise that one day every sickness will be healed we'll be in heaven forever the bible says with a resurrected body you can complain and suffer about this body here and lose eternity or you can say you're my healer i trust you whether you heal me now or heal me then you are my healer he is a healer my friends your father his name jehovah rofi the god who heals you Take your medicine. Pray to him today. You'll take that diabetes medicine. You'll do all the things that the doctors ask you to do. That's wonderful. Wisdom comes from the Father. But I ask you today, pray. Seek his face. And I'm going to share with you today, my friends, heaven is a real place.
Our bodies will be healed up there. Our lives will be changed up there. And if you're sick down here and you say, I blame God for my sickness, not only will you suffer here, but you will suffer eternity in a lake of fire because of your pride, your ego, was not able to see that bad choices come before you, corrupting our DNA, was a part of his punishment, yet he sent Jesus to die for you. You will be cursing God out for all of eternity while the worm crawls in and out of your flesh. Fire licks up and down your soul. And I will tell you, my friend, on that day in hell, you will say, oh, I wish I knew the healer. The Bible says there was a man in hell just for a few moments. The moment he hit hell, he started begging out. Somebody dipped their finger in water and put it on my tongue. Somebody in, in the pain that I'm feeling here. I don't care what pain you face in this world. I don't care what you're asking God to do physically for your body. It's not worth losing him as your healer. That's what he said his name was. The next one, Jehovah Nisi, Exodus 17, 15. The Israelites were facing a battle, and they were going to get defeated. But God said to Moses, as long as you keep your hands up, the army of the Lord will prevail. It will be a banner to you because I will be your victory. I want to share something with you today. If you feel like you're in a fight and something must be wrong, you feel like bad things are happening to you and it must be wrong. No, I want to tell you something. If you're tired, if you're in a fight it's actually the proof that something's going right because you're in the middle of a battle baby and today I want to tell you God didn't promise you that you never would fight he just said when you fight he's your banner of victory over your life so whatever you're facing today Jesus through the father is your victory some people in life, they think everything's going well, it's going well, and then all of a sudden they accept Jesus, and they start to feel all the problems of their life gang up on them. You want to know why? Because when you're in the flow of this world, you're in the river of this world, you don't care about drugs, alcohol, you don't care about people. I did a funeral for a 44-year-old man who threw himself in front of a train. A few of his friends cried, the rest of them just went to a bar and got drunk. Most people don't even know how to handle the sufferings of life, and they're just being swept away, but all of a sudden they become a Christian, they realize they're in a fight. You know why? It's because you're facing against the tide now. You're going against the grain. Once you stand up for Jesus Christ, you might lose friends. You might lose family members. You might lose a job and some people might even lose their life like they do in the Muslim nations right now. But I've got a promise for you. He's where you are and where you are, there is a banner of victory flying above you and his name is Jehovah Nisi. The next name that we learn about God is that he is Jehovah, Mikadesh. Everybody say, Mikadesh. Get your Hebrew on. Somebody say, Mikadesh. Thank you. See, y'all getting excited now. Leviticus 27 through 8. The Bible says God said to them, I'm going to meet with you, Moses, and I'm going to meet with all the other Israelites. Tell them to come on up and hang out with me. But first, they must change their clothes. they got to take a bath. They've got to sacrifice an animal, be forgiven of all their sins. But then the father said, hey, all that they do to get ready to get on the mountain with me, it's still not going to be enough because they're going to have sin down in their heart. Listen to me. You can come to church, sing in the choir, jump, shout, laugh, but giggle, whatever you like to do, get in the cafe, even do the book. But if you don't have the blood of Jesus wash you clean and you can't be clean. So the father said to them that day, he said, guys, after they sacrifice, after they change their clothes, tell them what they can't do, I'll do. I'll sanctify them on the inside. And if you remember the Bible, John 3, 16, for God the father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
have everlasting life. There is a cleansing flow in the crimson blood of Jesus today. And he sanctifies you. Well, pastor, I can't, I, I, I can't stop smoking and, and, and I can't stop drinking or I can't stop doing these evil things with greed, the covetousness, the selfish ambition. That's right, you can't. But God can sanctify you. Sanctify means to be separated from evil. God can separate evil from you. The Bible says he can take it so far from you, it's as far as the east is from the west. Your life can change right now if you let God the Father sanctify you. The next thing that you learn who he is, he is Jehovah Shalom. Everybody say Shalom. Shalom is Hebrew for peace. Judges 6, 24, the people were fighting. The enemies of God were attacking the land. God shows up, the father, to Gideon, and he says, man of God, I'm going to call you to be a mighty warrior, and through your victory, there will be peace in the land. And God brought peace to the people. You may be facing battles right now in your family. You may be facing battles in the school that you go to, young people. And you may try everything, and it doesn't work. I want to tell you how you get peace. You get peace by God the Father being in your life because he is Jehovah Shalom. Nobody else can calm the storms but God. And I look at people's lives, and they're always asking for one other thing to change them. Well, if I lose weight, I'll be happy and have inner peace. If I just get married, I'll have inner peace. If I make money, I'll have inner peace. Let me tell you, your life may seem like you're in a tidal wave and in a hurricane. Your life is that boat getting tossed to and fro. There is only one person who can stop the storms of your life. Jehovah Shalom. That is who your father is. The next one, turn there with me, Psalms 23, one of the most famous scriptures of the Bible. We don't need to wait for a funeral to read it. If you love Psalms 23, can you say amen? amen. Look at Psalms 23 because he is Jehovah Rohi. He is our shepherd. It says in Psalms 23 and onward, starting in verse 1, the Lord Jehovah Yahweh, Yohevah, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, and I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Think about the things you've been through in your life and what God has taken you through. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many know he's a good shepherd? He takes care of you. He's been better to you than you've been to yourself. I need somebody to help demonstrate this. Nick, I want you to stand up for me, brother. You're going to be goodness and angel. You're going to be love. Let's give it up for these two brothers. Goodness and love. Now, y'all just follow me. The Bible says when I follow the shepherd, whatever I go through, goodness and mercy is following me. I may be going through a trouble that nobody understands. Come on, ladies, but goodness and mercy is following me. People may make fun of me. People may not like me. I might have to lose some of my friends. But everywhere I go when I follow the shepherd, guess what I got behind me? Goodness and mercy. If you want some goodness and mercy following you, can you say amen? Come on, amen. God follows you with goodness and mercy as you follow him. People say, why is everybody always picking on me? Why are things always going bad for me? Start following a good shepherd. He'll be good to you. 
Why isn't your marriage working out? Because goodness and mercy is not following you. You need to follow your shepherd, and he'll bring goodness and mercy to you. The first people I used to preach to were in jails and in drug clinics. They would say, Joe, how did you get off drugs? I'm going to tell you the secret. It wasn't 12 steps. It was one step to Jesus Christ, and I've been free ever since, and every step I take, goodness and mercy has been following me. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here today. Somebody got to get up in their spirit today. I'm following the shepherd of my soul. If nobody else follows, I'm still following my father I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures my friends I could tell you about fear in my life and all the things that I've overcome you should be able to name off yours today and if you're a visitor today let me tell you the same shepherd who has shepherded our souls will shepherd yours and lastly today I want you to see that he is Jehovah Shema would you stand to your feet please as we learn somebody say Shema Shema means that he is ever-present, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. How could Jesus promise us that same thing in Matthew 28? Because he knew he was in the name of his Father. Jehovah Shema, ever-present. Ezekiel was a prophet. Ezekiel 48, 35 records it. He was captured by the Babylonian army, and he was taken to Babylon. Imagine right now an army taking you to China. You live, in, you live in America, but you've been captured and taken to Beijing. That's where Ezekiel was. Band, would you come to as well, please? And there, Ezekiel, he began to say, if I could just go back to Jerusalem, if I could just go back to the temple, I would be close to God. And you know what Ezekiel said to, you know what God said to Ezekiel? He said, Ezekiel, Zeke, he said, man, I'm wherever you are. He said, it don't matter if you're in Jerusalem or if you're in Babylon. He said, I'm ever present with you. I am Jehovah Shema. When Buzz Aldrin went up to the skies, God was still there. When Jacques Cousteau went down to the depths of the earth, God was still there. You could be riding on the highest mountains right now. Some people get raises, promotion, new jobs. They forget all about God, start going to the Cubs games because they got season tickets. Don't forget about God in the high points of your life because he's there. He's watching you. And then some people in the low points of their life, they lose a family member. Somebody dies or something devastating. They lose a job, and they blame it all on, all on God. But they don't know that God is still there. Who is your father? What is his name? His name is Yahweh or Jehovah. And he is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Rophi, your healer. He is Jehovah Nisi, your banner of victory. He is Jehovah Mikadesh, your sanctifier. He is Jehovah Shalom, your God of peace in the midst of a storm. He is Jehovah Rohi, leading you as a good shepherd through all the trials of your life. And he is Jehovah Shema. He's always present right there with you. And the question that I want to ask you today in this church, the big question, do you know him? You see, I could talk about Michael Jordan, and I could say, Michael Jordan, he's a six-time world champion basketball player. He has the most points for us. And I could tell you all these things about Michael Jordan. Does that mean you know him? Just because you know things doesn't mean you know him. Do you know the Father today? Do you want to know how you get to know him? When Jesus was on this earth, he said, I am the way, 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. How do you get to know the Father? You come to Jesus. And you can know today that you know down deep in your heart that he's been good to you. I want to close out by telling you this story. How many have ever heard the prodigal son story? Isn't that powerful? How many prodigal sons and daughters are here today? Come on, don't be ashamed. How many know if you had to talk about all you did in this church, you'd be ashamed? Some of y'all did some bad mamma jamma stuff. Those not raising your hand, we just know you're just too cocky and proud to admit it. Come on. You were the worst. Oh, come on. Caught you. Let's just be honest. How many know the Father was there for us? For those that already were there, for those of you not listening to this right here, the Bible says a story about a prodigal son, one of the best you'll ever read. The father had two sons. They both came up to him and said, hey, we, we want to make it on our own. We want to do our own thing. The father said, no, will you stay? I don't want you to leave out. You're not ready. The one son said, sure, dad, I'll stay. The other one said, no, I don't want to stay. I want my inheritance. Before you die, I want it now. And the father, just being a loving father, said, okay, here you go. And he gave it to him. The Bible says that he went off into a far land. He began to party. He spent it all. He wasted it. Money, girls, rock and roll, whatever they could do at that time, he did it. Like going downtown Chicago, living like Jersey Shore lifestyle, just blew it all away. And then he was broke. And the, the land he was living in was like our country, man, going through a recession. He couldn't find a job. So he went and took the first job that would finally hire him, and it was feeding pigs. And the Bible says that he was so hungry that he actually would eat the pig slop. My grandpa used to have pigs on the farm, and I would visit him. You know what pig slop is? Pig slop is the stuff that you would throw away that you didn't want to eat, and you put it all together in a bucket, and you give it to the pigs. Could you imagine being so hungry? that leftover mashed potatoes and corn and vegetables and half-eaten hamburgers all just mushed up together, stirred up, and just dumped into a little trough? Could you imagine just putting your hand down there and eating? You know how hungry you would have to be? While he was down there with the pigs and he was eating, the Bible says he came to his senses. He said to himself, Man, if I just go back home and I beg my father for forgiveness, at least I could become a slave in his house. And my daddy treats his slaves better than this right here. So he got up and he started heading home. You know what the Bible says? That the father, somebody say the father, saw him a long way off and started to run out to meet him. I use my imagination and I think about this. Can you imagine when the son first left? The father, you know, he kind of stands around the door. Maybe some of his, his servants are there with him. And they go, man, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just waiting for my son. I'm just waiting for my son. Well, he left. I don't think he's coming back. No, no, he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. And you can start to imagine like these servants, you know, they kind of like, they get bored. They go back to their thing. A couple days later, where are you going, boss? I'm, I'm going to go by the door. I'm, I told you I'm going to wait for my son. He, he's going to come back. He'll be back. He, he'll come back to me. I'm his father. He won't, he won't be gone for long. You can just begin to imagine that days go by, months go by. And you can see the coworkers maybe just starting to make fun of the boss. Man, that boss is crazy. Man, doesn't he know his son's on drugs? His son's out living a wild life. He's not coming back. But you just stand out there. 
I know my son's coming back. I know he's coming back. And you can just imagine what it was like that day when he went out there. Boss, what are you going to do? Oh, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go wait for your son. Oh, okay, whatever. And all of a sudden, the, the boss is out there. And he's like, no, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. I know he is. And he starts to see his son. He gets excited. He goes, guys, the Bible says he calls all of his servants together, and they run out to meet the son. And he said, my son was once dead, but he's alive. I told you you would come back home. And he does something that most of us Westerners don't understand. The Bible says he takes off his ring, and he puts it on his son. And he says to everyone, this is my son. Do you know what that ring meant? Now you're going to get why I spent some time at the beginning. You know what that ring meant? It meant you had your father's name wherever you went. So now he could show up to go buy some grain for the house. And they would say, dude, we know you don't got no money. You spent all that you had. He would say, no, no, no. Look, I come in my father's name. My father's got money. I want all the grain right here. You can see him showing up at the place, you know, to get a new horse. You know, he wanted to get the nice ride. And they look at him and say, man, you're just a drug dealer. Man, we, we can't give you no. No, I'm coming in my father's name. You got to give me this horse because my father can buy this horse. He gave me his ring. And I want you to listen to me today, my friends. All of us have turned our back on a good God. All of us have gone astray while he's been good to us. But he's waiting for you to come back today and he wants to put his name on you he wants to be your healer so that whenever you face a sickness you say God's my healer I don't care what this sickness is God's my healer whenever you face trouble in your marriage in your family you can say God's my shepherd God's my shepherd everywhere you go you carry around his name his name is upon you he is Jehovah Rapha he is Jehovah Nisi he is Jehovah Shema. He is Jehovah Rohi. He will never leave you or forsake you. He has given you his name. Joe Wyrostic. Who gave you that name? My father. Joe the healed. Who gave you that name? My heavenly father. Joe the blessed. Jen, the healed. Where do you get your name from? Get it today from your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, altar workers, come please. Lord, we call on you because you've been so good to us. And we pray, Lord, that right now, God, in this place, that those who don't know you will get your name upon their lives. The name of the Father, Yahweh. Oh, and we can come to you through your son. With every head bowed and eyes closed, people walked up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread. He said, pray to your father. I'm going to pray for two people right now. To my father and yours. The two people I want to pray for are those who have never known God as a father. I pray that today in just a few moments as we get ready to sing a worship song in closing that you'll come up to these altar workers and today you'll make a decision to know God as your father like never 
before. And then the second group that we want to pray for today are for those that you've known God, but you've walked away from the Lord. You've backslid. You're doing some crazy stuff. Maybe you don't think you're that bad, but you know you're not with the Father. We're going to ask you to come home to your Father. He's waiting for you. He's waiting to embrace you and give you His name. And as you come, because we're about ready to, to loose you guys, to get out your seats and come. Don't be ashamed. Bring somebody if you have to. But listen, when you come to this altar to pray, I want you to bring an open heart and go to a guy if you're a guy or a girl if you're a girl because they're going to hug you like how the father hugged that prodigal son. And they're going to pray for you today. And they're going to share with you the love that God has for you because every good and perfect gift comes from him. Don't be deceived. He loves you today, and he wants you to come home. I'm praying right now, Father, loose them and let them go. Anything devil you've done against them is a lie. We won't receive it. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I pray against the lies that you've told them, devil, that it's God's fault. It's Jesus' fault. We turn that lie against you right now. You're the father of lies. God, I pray that people's hearts will open up, that sons and daughters will come home to the Father today, that lives will be changed, that no one will leave out of here the same way they came. As my brother begins to sing, don't go anywhere. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but those who need it, come forward now to the Father of your soul. Hallelujah. And oh, and how he loves us so. And oh, how he loves us. And how he loves us so. Those in the Father's house, keep worshiping Him. But those that need to come, come quickly. The Father is waiting for you. We're just your brothers and sisters. We'll pray. But He's waiting. Come. He loves us. The Father is here. We're going to wait a few more moments. Come and receive that love today. Come on, we embrace you with the love of God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, God is love. God is love. Don't be deceived today, friends. He is love. at their seats to sing as those are getting prayed for. Oh, how he loves us. And oh, how he loves us. And oh, how he loves 
us and how he loves us. His love is like an ocean. Come on, keep praying a few more moments before we leave. He loves like an ocean. And I am a tree bending beneath bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden and I am unaware of his reflections eclipse by glory and I realize Just a few more moments for those who need prayer. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But those who need to come, come. Don't wait. Just come. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. How he loves us. We're going to keep praying up here at the front. If you need prayer for anything, you can come. We'll dismiss. Thank you for coming. I pray the Father's with you. Father, be with us this week. You're ever present. God, we just ask for your miracles to follow us. Goodness, mercy, love. Oh, Lord, be with us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Keep worshiping. If you need prayer, come. But we're just going to be up here for the next few moments just worshiping. Prayer for anything, come on. God bless you. We love you.